This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of The Joy Challenge. Discover the ancient secret to experiencing worry-defeating, circumstance-defying happiness. Written by pastor and best-selling author Randy Frazee and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. Welcome to The Table Podcast, where we discuss issues of God and culture, brought to you by Dallas Theological Seminary. I I actually don't know the answer to this question before I ask it, Uh, and that is, um, I take it both of your churches have small groups, is that right? Um, do are you all associated with the small groups in your church? Do they pull you in or or not? What's what's the situation there? Oh, we do have a singles group, mm-hmm. and I usually go there to speak, not so much to participate. Mm-hmm. Here's the reason: mm-hmm. all of them are not by choice for life unto Christ in community, and mm-hmm. so I'm looking for a very narrow niche. Mm-hmm. Most singles are either single before marriage, mm-hmm. single between marriages, mm-hmm. or single after marriage, mm-hmm. widowed or widowers. Mm-hmm. I am hard-pressed to find a community of like-minded people who have given that up. Mm-hmm. And so some of those discussions and things that they talk about just is foreign to me. Mm-hmm. In, that, in that kind, of, So even though we're in the same category of singleness, uh-huh. It's different. It's very different. Now, here, here's a here's a question that, that, uh, that I actually did want to raise at some point during the hour, so this is a good point for it, and that is, uh, are you purposely – I don't know how else to express this question – are you purposely segregated into a singles group because you're single, or would you have the option to be part of a group that would involve married couples as well? Oh, we, I would have the option. For you that. would have the option? And I would prefer to and have attended small groups that are more family-oriented. Okay. That would be my preference, too. Yeah, really. And, and so, I, you know, I'm wondering, because I think some churches might actually unconsciously place you automatically in in the singles group because you're single. Is that sort of what happened or I, is, that, is that really true? I don't I can't think of churches that would deliberately segregate. I don't think they would like, say it, but I think by default, by the very creation of a singles group, you might be creating a, a, a expectation a expectation in that direction. I, I think at least in Northwest where I go to it's an option. Okay. If you would prefer to, that's fine. Uh-huh. But uh, there's How does no compulsion. PCPC handle that? Yeah, it, it's an option uh-huh. as well. But I will tell you this, um, what I've observed over the years with young singles when they first moved to Dallas, um, they want friends more than anything else. Right. You know, so um, it, for instance, our, our young women's Bible study is like, we want you to have girlfriends that you can go out and do stuff with. You mm-hmm. can And you can meet guy friends in Sunday school, mm-hmm. but make some good, solid women friends. Mm-hmm. And then later, they might want to be in more of a family-structured small group. Mm-hmm. But first out of the shoot, first in Dallas, mm-hmm. they want girlfriends. Mm-hmm. And I would assume it's much like that with young men. Like So uh, a, what I may be hearing between the lines is, is that sometimes it can happen almost by default. Mm-hmm. That that you end up in you end up there because you're relocating to begin with, and that's a natural place to start, and then that just carries on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Uh, that's interesting. Well, let's let's turn our attention to the last topic that I want to uh, zero in on in, in some detail, and that is the development of community. 
um, in in developing community and participating in community a, as a as a single person with everything that we've been talking about. You know, the, I'm, in the back of my voice, I'm hearing you. Don't treat us as a special needs. Everything about this podcast has the feel yeah, of a yeah, special yeah. need. But but I actually think that's actually part of the problem. That's actually part of what we're trying to think about and challenge people on is to get them to think about the fact that this don't treat this as a special category with a special box over here but 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 see everyone in the church and everyone period in the church as you know a vibrant member of the community who has something to offer to it that God has them in the community uh, for a reason so so let's turn to the idea of of community and uh, help us if you will think about Community, as you, as you see it, uh, from the from the side of being a single person, what 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 uh, what what can can help? How can the church help itself uh, in this area in terms of building community with with single people? Uh, for me, one of my needs is accountability, mm-hmm. because it's very easy to go adrift. Mm-hmm. As a boat into the night, mm-hmm. when you're living single. No one's keeping tabs on what's going on. So I have consciously, deliberately, with the permission of certain people, invited them to be to into a position of responsibility for me. May not necessarily be one person for every part of my life, mm-hmm. but financially, they might be somebody. In other aspects, there is another person. Um, just. Uh, reflecting on what Carrie was just saying a few minutes ago. Mm-hmm. Yesterday, I was stuck in an emergency situation where I had to ferry the college-going daughter of one of my good friends mm-hmm. from DFW Airport to her school, mm-hmm. a two-hour journey. Mm-hmm. I, there was no way I could say no. Mm-hmm. I immediately texted one of my colleagues here at seminary, who's my neighbor, who's mm-hmm. I, he's, I'm accountable to him, that, mm-hmm. hey, I'm doing this. I just wanted you to know. Mm-hmm. He said, Okay, got it. Have a safe trip. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a sense in which I want my life to be an open book. Mm-hmm. If there are things happening that others mm-hmm. need to know, they need to know, even if there is nothing going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to maintain that sense of accountability. I think that's where, for me at least, at least in this phase of life, community becomes very important. That they can say to my life what I'm doing wrong, mm-hmm. keep an eye open for things, for blind spots in my life, uh, whether it's financial, whether it's relationships with the opposite gender, whether it's ministry engagements and time managements. And there are people in these different areas who, who can speak to, to those aspects of my life. And I take it these couples in particular that you mentioned earlier that have managed to get, get become a, a very vibrant part of your life, are they occupying some of these roles yes, that you're talking do. about? Yes, they do. And, 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 it would be interesting to, for people to hear, how did that emerge? Did that just happen in the flow of, of community life that you ended up being close to these couples? or, or? Some of it was fortuitous. Uh-huh. You know, God brought it about. But to a great extent, there is a sense in which if I see that this is a couple that can be trusted, mm-hmm. because I'm not going to do this with just anybody, mm-hmm. I open myself up. Mm-hmm. Initially, they're very surprised mm-hmm. because – for the most part, they may not have had that kind of a close relationship with anybody. Right, right, right. Because <laughs> that's not the norm. That's right. But my life is an open book. Mm-hmm. And I invite them in mm-hmm. uh, tacitly, not not explicitly. And, and that just develops. And, uh, and it just worked out very well. Was there, was there anything 
conscious that you did to develop this? I mean, did you guys, you know, have dinner together at one another's homes? Yeah, that's or usually like how that? it starts. Yeah. Over, over food. Yeah. Invariably. Yeah. They're usually members of the church that I am in, or members of where I have interim pastor. Mm-hmm. And looking back at the few people, they're like that. They're either members of where I am now, or members of where I have been in the past. I see. Started off with uh, just a casual invitation, come over for a meal, mm-hmm. and. I invite them for a meal. I know I don't cook. I take them out to eat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, then it You're just You're my kind of single guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, I, I mean, I so agree. I mean, even the best of a small group and best discussion around God's Word uh, with all ages and stages, I mean, that's d- as delightful as that is to, to be a part of. The deepest community is when you do life together. Mm-hmm. And, and um, about three years ago, I um I got mono. I mean, mm-hmm. who gets it at fifty two years old? Mm-hmm. And um, that's when I really saw that God gave me friends, not just because I worked for the church, but because this was my community, mm-hmm. and that because I couldn't even take the trash out. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And they for six weeks I was in bed, and mm-hmm. people brought me meals at just the right time and just the right way, and changed my sheets and cleaned my. I mean it. It was amazing how hmm. this hmm. group of people and, and it, their husbands pitched in too. It yeah, was just, yeah. just really feeling taken care of, and I, I feel so fortunate that God gave me that. But there is a certain aspect of it um, outside of a crisis that you have to initiate it yourself. Mm-hmm. You, that's what I mean by that scheduled intimacy. Mm-hmm. You, you have to figure it out mm-hmm. and make it work. Whereas when you've got a family all around you, then it kind of just, just happens. happens. Yeah, yeah. Right? I, that's it actually what I was pushing for is. In thinking about this, is that is that what might tend to evolve rather naturally? I mean, you're put you're put in a small group. I mean, the small mm-hmm. group that I function is is a handful of couples. They run the you know we run a gamut of ages, but the, you know everybody has a family and kids, and it's just kind of a natural affiliations affiliations. Yeah, mm-hmm. but but in the case of uh, again of. of of being a single person, where that first of all, you're not naturally oftentimes included in those. They just don't think about you. Yeah, exactly right. I mean, dinner for eight. Yeah, exactly right. And, and so in that process, you know, you get lost in the shuffle, for lack of a better description. Mm-hmm. And so, taking the initiative, uh, which which actually raises an interesting question. I had you speak to the pastors. Maybe another element that we need to raise is: what would you say to other single people who are in churches? What advice would you give them as they think about being a part of community and Encouraging their involvement in community, mm-hmm. so so that they they there, there's a, a natural tendency perhaps to marginalize the single person to a certain degree. How do you overcome that? That's actually a pretty important question if you're thinking mm-hmm. about community. Um, so 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 taking this initiative is important. Giving people permission. I, I take it you must have couples in your church situation who operate much like Abe has described yeah. for him. Yeah, I mean, if if I were giving advice to singles, I would say, if there's a married couple that you want to spend more time with, call them. Say, do you want to come over for dinner? You mm-hmm. know, or you know, you. I think they almost always say yes. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, you you have to um, prayerfully make that and take that initiative, and and they will more than likely reciprocate. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's just it's normal fellowship. But um, there is the initiative that I think. I think when you're single, you tend to think, "Oh, I don't want to bother them. Mm-hmm. I'll be an imposition." Mm-hmm. But the reality is, I think most of the time that couple enjoys it. Mm-hmm. They got some different 
different mm -hmm. folks in their life. And there really is an opportunity to introduce something into their own dynamics that mm -hmm. actually is Absolutely. pretty important yeah. for community yeah. to function so that uh, so that we overcome some of the things we've been working in the entire mm -hmm. hour to overcome. Mm -hmm. So uh, what advice would you give, Abe, to, to single I think people? that's exactly right. I think many married couples, um, like the pastors we talked about, just don't know what to do with this strange species of single people. <laughs> uh -huh, uh -huh. <laughs> I think just opening yourself up and making friends in that sense. Um, God brings people, and there's a sense of chemistry in the way you make friends, friendships, and some mm -hmm. of them click, and uh, they will go far if you take the initiative. I think I like that mm -hmm. phrase of scheduled intimacy. intimacy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's it's a, very, a good. That's very accurate. Yeah, mm -hmm. it, and uh, and I think the idea of taking the initiative and really everyone, I think, sometimes senses a bit of. Of potential awkwardness, and that helps to overcome it for the initiative to be taken and for well, the and doors to be opened. Well, and I don't want to leave open. out this very important point: is mm -hmm. I mean, God knows how to match these things up. Yeah, yeah. And you pray, pray yeah. that He will send that to you, pr mm -hmm. send you to them. Mm -hmm. You know, how are these relationships best to be formed? But by the Lord leads, mm -hmm. and to pray and watch Him provide, I think is really important. Okay, well, we've got one class of single people who we've kind of talked around and about but, but and, and really are different from the situations you two find yourselves in in some ways and yet uh, face the same kinds of, of issues in another way. And that's the, those are the people who, I think the way you put it, Abe, was are either between families or have come out of families and find themselves single. Mm -hmm. And... Um, I've got two sets of questions here. One is, um, how how easy or difficult is it for a person who who's single and never been married? How's it? How easy or difficult is it to relate to the people who have been married? That's one part of the question. And the second question is, how much of what we've talked about in singleness in general applies to to that group as well? In other words, are we uh, should we should we think in very different kinds of ways, or do these people all of a sudden find themselves in a spot that is uh, as as awkward sometimes as as having been single all along? Yeah, I'm not sure we can lump everything together mm -hmm. simply for the reason that the goals are probably different. Mm -hmm. As I define ecclesiological singleness, one of one of them is for Christ, mm -hmm. so that I can be fully thrown into, immersed in ministry. Mm -hmm. If that is not the case with somebody else, it may be a little bit more harder to to form a community in that sense. Mm -hmm. um, so yes, I think there are differences between these categories. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know if we can just because they don't have a spouse doesn't mean they can all be put into one basket. That but can the single person who's experienced singleness for life be of a, of a help or, or, or minister to the person who finds themselves single and now perhaps lo locates themselves in a place that either they hadn't anticipated or, or weren't prepared for in some ways? Yes, absolutely. And I think the way is simply the goals, mm -hmm. to state that um, marriage is not the greatest good, mm -hmm. neither is sex a biological imperative without which we cannot live. Mm -hmm. I'm alive. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, so I, I think in those aspects and modeling, focus upon Christ, 
I think is very helpful for those who are before, in between, or after marriages or families. Mm -hmm. This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of Nine Lives and Counting, a bounty hunter's journey to faith, hope, and redemption, written by Dwayne Dog the Bounty Hunter Chapman. Nine Lives and Counting not only offers a fresh perspective on well-known life events, but also ventures into behind-the-scenes territory and backstories never shared publicly. Nine Lives and Counting is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. Visit thomasnelson.com audio to learn more. And then, and do you think uh, you're also in a position to help them uh, kind of get located in terms of, okay, I'm now single in a church, I'm used to functioning in the context of being in a family. Um, yeah, are you able to come alongside them and say, this is, this is what life as a single person in the church can be like, and this is how you negotiate this space to some degree? Yes, I think a single person's life is a demonstration of the gospel in at least three different ways. One is that it is a self-sacrifice, mm -hmm. See the sacrifice of the number of things we talked about. Mm -hmm. Secondly, it is a demonstration of God-dependence. Not that married people are not depending on God, but in a different way, the single person is. Yeah, you're, my spouse is helping me depend upon God all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Whether you like it or not. That's exactly right. So. <laughs> and then thirdly, the eternity focus. I think all of those reflect the gospel. Mm -hmm. It's self-sacrifice, God dependence, and eternity focus. Mm -hmm. And if I can model that in my life, uh, I would die happy. Mm -hmm. Model that both to married mm -hmm. people and in particular to single people to say that this is what life is about. This is what the Christian, this is what it means to follow Christ. Mm -hmm. Self-sacrifice, God-dependence, eternity focus. Mm. And I think those three things ought to mark the way in which we single people and everybody else should live. Yeah. Now, Carrie, what do you, what, what do you think as you think about this group of single people who find themselves single after, after not having been single? Do they? Is it for you? Do you think about it as a different category, or is it? Are there enough similarities that there's there's ministry that can happen? Well, I think there's definitely enough similarities so that ministry can happen. And um, number one is that you're alone. Mm -hmm. And um, and uh, but the second thing is most importantly than your aloneness is Elizabeth Elliot used to say, um, wherever you are, God has called you there. So if you are a new widow, he's called you to be widowed. And of course, Elizabeth Elliot is, for people who don't know, is someone who was married. Who, yes, who, he's widowed who, three times, times, I think. Yeah. And, and um, maybe widowed twice, married three times. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, she her perspective on uh, calling was so helpful to me years ago in that um, when you're single, if God has not brought you a husband, this is your calling. Mm -hmm. You're single for his glory, his purposes. Mm -hmm. And the same thing with widowhood. Or should you end up in your in uh, a divorce? So those those three things again. I think that yes, those are things that happen to us that are life changing, and and probably not what you thought for the majority of us are like that. Mm -hmm. However, to live it to God's glory, to be um, surrendered to His purposes, and if He wants you to remarry, that that is within his his design for you, his assignment for you, and, and that that would further God's purposes in and through you. And I think the more we can be friends together and pray for each other, 
um, as a community, then we can help know the hand of God in those things. Mm. Um, but on just a practical level, mm-hmm. if you have children and you're newly widow, widowed, newly divorced, then you have some major time constraints that have changed, and that's the kid factor. Mm-hmm. So it's really hard for you to have time for your friends mm-hmm. at that point. And then when you do have time, everybody's busy with their couple world. Mm-hmm. Or they're, they, they ha- they're not able to find the time to schedule the intimacy. So it does make things harder and more complicated. So what you're saying is is that that scheduled intimacy that you're talking about that's so crucial for the single person mm-hmm. who's, who's not been married, that becomes an even greater challenge yes. for the person who yes. has a co- has you still an, have kids family. Home. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, fair enough. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you've mentioned a word several times that I, that I'd like to talk about because I think this is an important part of the conversation too, being single and the, and the idea of of loneliness or being alone, which which I think can be rendered in a variety of ways. So let me walk through this and then okay. get your reaction. Uh, you know, when I think about loneliness, that that is a there's a sense in which um, I'm not attached and I'm almost uncomfortable not being attached. That's what I hear when mm-hmm. I hear the word lonely. When I hear the word alone, I hear um, there's no one around me, I'm on my own. That can, be, that can be positive or negative depending on what you make of it. And then the third thought that's in the back of my head is, is that, and, and Abe, I'm hearing your voice in my ear while I'm saying this, is that if, if I am walking in a, in attached and connected to Christ then I'm actually never completely alone and so as I think I mean I, I've kind of painted a spectrum here because I think it's an important spectrum and I suspect that single people may move along that spectrum mm-hmm. at different points in their lives you know there are times when they may feel very lonely there are times when they feel alone and then there are times when their walk with Christ is very much sustaining them of course the goal is is that that walk with Christ would do it through the whole thing uh, let's talk about that area of being single because I think it's an important one that mm-hmm. we that we tend not to talk about Carrie mm-hmm. you want to start mm-hmm. us off on thinking about that yeah I um you know the first thing that comes to mind is one of my good friends is in the hospital down the street at Baylor right now and she's single and she's feeling pretty lonely mm-hmm. and even though her friends are there and visiting she's like wait lord it's just you and me yeah you know i don't know what this mass might be yeah. but i have to go deep and trust you that you're with me and your presence carries me and i will stand on the things that you have taught me all these years interesting so you've got a medical condition that's put persons I'm, I'm assuming yeah. you're it's a cancer potential, potential cancer, yeah. cancer situation. Yeah. And so, how do I negotiate this without any family around? Right. And yeah. she and she has no family. Yeah. But she has a dear group of friends. But still, it's I think it's not like if you had a husband right beside you and kids that were checking on you all the yeah. time. It's not yeah. quite the same. Yeah. Interesting. So that's a different element. Uh-huh. And um, and and then, and then I think. Like you said, it's very true that there's been there's seasons of ups and downs and the loneliness around the holidays or, mm-hmm. you know, when I was younger and going to everybody's wedding but my own or yeah. it, always a bridesmaid, never a bride. Yeah, you know that yeah. you, you're you know everybody else is doing something but you. And then, then when I hit my fifties and I realized, wait, everybody has in life something in their life that God assigned that they probably wouldn't have ever chosen. Mm-hmm. You know, and I was like, oh, and and I. I mean, to be honest, I think I have lived a lot of my days kind of 
shortchanging God's purposes. It's like, oh, I got kind of the consolation prize. Everybody else got some fun stuff they're mm-hmm. doing. Mm-hmm. I've missed out. Mm-hmm. And then I realized there's been some real struggles that I didn't know about. Mm. And um, not that I'm glad they were there, but that it's part of living in a fallen world. Mm-hmm. And that um, we learn to, to live, and he's, He is the one that loves us more than we can ever imagine or know. He is the one who loves us like Abba Father and our husband. Mm-hmm. And then and then to live in light of that, anticipating more, is, is the journey of being single. Um, and then being hopeful that maybe some husband will come along the way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, uh, let's talk about this spectrum as you see it, uh, Abe. Uh, I have one sibling, uh-huh. an older brother. Uh-huh. We take care of our father. He's mm-hmm. 87 years old, widowed about 30 years ago. So you're all in the same city? He's in Houston. He's in Houston. I'm in Dallas. My okay. dad goes back and forth. Fourth, okay. So he's with me right now, my father. So you trade him back and forth, uh-huh. basically? Uh-huh. Oh, interesting. So this 87-year-old single man lives uh-huh. with me uh-huh. for six months in the year. Uh-huh. And he's had some medical issues. He's relatively stable. And uh-huh. I have to wonder occasionally if I live to be 87. I have no desire to live to be 87. <laughs> but if the Lord so des- decides, uh-huh. who will take care of me? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I remember Psalm 34:10. You know, the young lions do lack and suffer hunger, mm-hmm. but this, they who seek the Lord shall not be in want mm-hmm. of any good thing. Mm-hmm. And so you hang on to that. And as someone once said, in the backyard of solitude, there is always the crab grass of loneliness. Mm-hmm. I think that's very well put. Mm-hmm. Not always, but occasionally there is. Oh, here's something nice that I'm doing or experience. It would be nice to share it with mm-hmm. somebody. But I submit to you that that may not be as unusual, or that is no more unusual than you in marriage occasionally thinking, "Mm, it would be nice to be alone. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think those flashes of wanting to be alone on a married person's part and those flashes of wanting companionship on my part are probably mutually canceling and won't make you give up your marriage, and neither will no, that. No, I'm not giving up my marriage. You got that right. <laughs> Sally will be yeah, happy yeah, to hear Sally, that. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> neither I, will that cause me to give up my uh, calling of celibacy either. Yeah. So I, I think it balances out in the, in the end. But, yeah. but, but it's there. It's the truth. It's important. And, of course, the, the, the solace that you have in one sense is that there is you do have family around you, so you have some built-in relationships that obviously uh, sustain you at one level. Uh, the, the situation that you've described over here of this gal who doesn't have family and is, is really, in, in some senses, more, more alone than many, mm-hmm. um, that's a, that's a, that is a, a challenge. And that's a challenge for a community, it seems mm-hmm. to me, because a community mm-hmm. really does need to rally around this. You know, I, I hate to make analogies, but we just did we just did an interesting podcast with Tony Evans talking about living as an African American in a predominantly, you know, white society, and it, it was a response to what's been going on you know, with Ferguson and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about the importance of community with so many broken African American families and there are a lot of people who live as single mothers mm-hmm. in in the community. And the church really has to consciously rally around them to provide the support of what in some cases would normally come with a full family, that kind of thing. And you in some ways you're in a 
in, in a similar, it's distinct, but a similar kind of situation uh, for, for single people in, in helping to give them a wealth of relationships and a pool of relationships that make for community. That well, and, and you bring up a good point. I mean, I think the hardest, and my hat is off to that, is a, a single woman with children working all the time, and when in the world is she going to have time for it? A small group study. Right, you know, right. I mean, that is so hard yep. to, you know, we're not going to see them in the middle of the week, I don't think. Yep. You know, but maybe on Sunday, and then even then it's for a short time. Yeah, I have a sister in law who's just gone through a divorce, mm-hmm. I mean, within the last several years, and, and her, and, and she had, Four girls, and the youngest this year is a senior. So she's had someone in the house the mm-hmm. whole time, and we we have made a very very conscious effort to make sure she's included in a lot of the things that so we do, good. and inviting her to stuff and good. that kind of thing, to to have her. And she constantly is talking to us about about her wrestling with her loneliness and how difficult sometimes the holidays are and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. I mean, we we've we kind of walked alongside her in the midst That's of all so this. Good. Yeah, and and. And you're right, Abe, to point out that there, are, you know, that there are different paths that people have walked and found themselves on. I mean, you've made a very conscious choice, which means that uh, you've accepted some of the things that come with the choice as a part of saying, "This is, this is what I've committed before God to do. This is where God has me." There are other people who fall into situations that they didn't intend, didn't mm-hmm. design, and find themselves in, and the church has got to be able to be supportive of, of, of all of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, I, and I have to wonder also, maybe, if there were an army of singles in the church, mm-hmm. they would be the ones to support this friend of yours, Carrie. Mm-hmm. Well, and she has or, a lot of friends. Yes. You know, yeah. she has a solid group of friends. But I'm just no, saying, if they are dedicated, there, if they're dedicated mm-hmm. to this kind of ministry as a s- group of singles, yes, who have yeah. dedicated their lives to ministering to those. Yeah, in need. part of what I'm hearing in, in, from you, Abe, is almost a plea for the church to think through and, and seek out and encourage a certain kind of singleness with a certain kind of commitment that will produce the kinds of models you lacked when you made your choice. Am, am, I, am I hearing that and, right? And it may produce the extra hearts and hands needed to minister to people like the ones Carrie was talking exactly. about. Exactly. And, and that's been the history in the church. And with a deeper understanding of what that person is actually going through. Right. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. I well, mean, for me, my calling is to be in ministry and a teaching responsibility. For others, it may be humanitarian interests. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to remain single in order to meet the physical needs of mm-hmm. a single mother with children mm-hmm. who's got or an orphan, or, or orphans. A, yeah, I mean, uh, and there were armies of these in the early church, mm-hmm. and I'm wondering why not today. Interesting. Well, that's a that's a question to ponder, and it's a it, it might be kind of a good landing place for where we've where we've been together. Uh, I, I I came into this podcast. I have to be honest, wondering what are we going to talk about for an hour, <laughs> but uh, but th- you've been very very helpful to help us think through. This area uh, uh, of life, which I do think the church really just kind of 
has trouble figuring out, for lack of a better description. And hopefully this podcast has helped uh, people think through the area of, uh, of, of appreciating uh, the people who, in some cases, have chosen to be single, in other cases, have found themselves to be single, and with a plea not to treat them as special needs on the one hand and not to marginalize them on the other, although that sometimes is socially what inevitably the inertia of our social relationships tends to make us do, and to realize single people are a wonderful resource God has given to the church, and 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 in appreciating that, the church actually has the chance to accentuate what it is as a community in the midst of doing that. Amen. So I thank you all for being a part of this, and we thank you for being a part thank of you. the table where we discuss issues of God and culture, and we look forward to seeing you again. Thanks for listening to The Table Podcast. For more podcasts like this one, visit dts.edu slash the table. Dallas Theological Seminary. Teach truth. Love well. This episode was brought to you in part by United We Pray. United We Pray is a podcast devoted to praying and thinking about racial strife, especially between Christians. Come join us in praying for the unity of God's people.